You're listening to the Red Wave Report, the official free podcast for TheBarkBoard.com, your one-stop shop for all your Fresno State recruiting news. The thoughts and opinions are that of the show hosts and in no way reflect the thoughts and opinions of the university. Welcome back, everyone, to another edition of the Red Wave Report. I am Lucio Reek, and I am being joined by the publisher of TheBarkBoard.com, Mr. Jackson Moore. Jackson, how are you doing today? I'm doing well, Lucio. How are you? Good, good. And, you know, if for everybody who, you know, doesn't quite get it, we are in studio today. So that's why we sound really clear today. <laughs> and uh, it's nice to kind of get together sometimes in person and uh, and do these recordings for, uh, for you guys. But, uh, Jackson, you've had a chance to kind of take in the Bulldogs here uh, in this upcoming week, heading into game week. And, you know, what's the kind of atmosphere you're feeling right now? Yeah, I mean, the players are excited. I got to talk to quite a few of them today. And, I mean, they're all they're not only excited to just get the season going and hit someone besides their teammates, but they remember the last time they were in Bulldog Stadium. It was rocking against Boise State. And, <laughs> yes. You know, Idaho's not going to give quite the same atmosphere. There's no doubt about it. But uh, season t- or the ticket sales right now looks like could be over 30000 You get some walk-ups in. Uh, you may see in the mid-30s, and that's enough to get the stadium rocking, even if it's just for some big plays in the first half. And hopefully it's not going down to the wire like Boise State was. Well, that's good to hear in the, in the mid-30s at least because, you know, uh, after last season, Fresno State really put it together there and, and had a really good season. You know, they need to have a, a full house and, you know, to get it up in the mid 30s and hopefully, you know, we get surprised and a lot more people show up and we might have a almost capacity type of a stadium. That would be one hell of an atmosphere to have for this upcoming game, wouldn't it? Oh, absolutely. And, you know, I was thinking back to, well, 2017 we didn't quite see the crowds come in until that last game against Boise State Um, but it was kind of the same situation when Tim DeRuder came in in 2012 Uh, I mean the team was they were co-champs in the Mountain West and had a really good year but it didn't really get the crowd so that last game and then 2013 was the big year and once the Bulldogs put a few wins together I mean it was a no-brainer it was going to sell out and I think if this Fresno State team wins even the first three games they might be set the rest of the year given who those first three games are against uh, winning two games at UCLA and Minnesota would do wonders for ticket sales and probably put the Bulldogs near the top 25 Um, but as far as this particular game uh, when the Bulldogs opened in 2013 Rutgers only brought in about 33,000 fans on a Thursday night so uh, if the Bulldogs are anywhere near that for Idaho on a Saturday I think that's a pretty good win for the dogs for the campus and um, anything more than that is icing on the cake in my mind now do you think that the opponent uh, in Idaho kind of is kind of hurting the the opening game as far as attendance wise well it's uh, not the greatest opponent but it's not incarnate word either (laughs) there's I mean Abilene Christian those types of schools that really most people in Fresno haven't heard of uh, Idaho was in the same conference as the Bulldogs for a while, and they have a roster that was recruited as an FBS program. They're just now dropping down to FCS, uh, so they're going to be uh, better than your typical uh, FCS kind of warm-up game that Fresno State usually brings in. But even so, Idaho went four and eight last season. Uh, they have some things to figure out this year, and the Bulldogs are just so loaded, almost top to bottom. Uh, it should be a quick one. <laughs> Uh, one can only hope it's going to be a quick one. Hey, you know, if the if the Bulldogs can kind of jump out ahead of Idaho early and and continue to put on the pressure, then we might be able to see some of these 
some of these redshirt freshmen who are going to redshirt uh, get a chance because of the new ruling uh, that we explained on the last podcast that they uh, they can play up to four games. And, you know, if the Bulldogs can get out ahead, maybe we might end up seeing some of those players. Do you think, Jackson? Yeah, I mean, this should be the, the best opportunity, I would think. Um, uh, they've talked about this rule, but at the same time, you know, Coach Tedford's not going to go in game planning saying, hey, in the third and fourth quarter, we're going to get you guys in because that's just not Coach Tedford. He's going to approach this game the same way he's going to approach at Minnesota. But you have to imagine all those young guys are going to be in uniform. And if it does start to get out of hand, they'll get their names called. And, you know, we'll get to see some of these guys for the first time. And <laughs> we might not see them again for <laughs> maybe the rest of the year. I mean, hopefully the Bulldogs put up a few more games where they can get the opportunity. But uh, I think this is more about the guys that are probably not going to see the field more so the rest of the year. Um, if there are players that are in that kind of fringe too deep, that – this is a chance to kind of throw them out there and see if they will cement themselves as contributors the rest of the season or if they need to pull the reins back and let them redshirt for sure. Yeah, it's going to be one of those uh it's going to be one of those chances that the Bulldogs are going to get an opportunity to to try and play some of those players. Uh, probably your best bet this game. And I agree with you whether or not they're going to get another opportunity as good as this one. I don't know this season. I don't. They're really going to have to jump out on someone to get them a chance to to get some of those players some playing time. But you know that being said, those are the redshirt freshmen. So we might end up seeing them. But the problem is, we've got we've got uh, other players who want to get some playing action. And uh, right now, I guess we're ready to kind of announce the two deep right from Jackson. So. Well, let's jump into that one. Uh, let's start off at the quarterback position. We all know who's going to be the starter. I mean, that one's a given. And but you know, what's what's the story behind him? Yeah, well, of course, Marcus McMarion, the returning starting quarterback, did it all last season. Uh, even when the offense wasn't hitting on all cylinders, which wasn't often, he seemed to make a play with his legs or just do something to keep everything moving and in, uh, in sync. Um, it was funny. I was looking at last year's Week One depth chart and of course he wasn't the starter Jason Virgil started as the number one guy and I think if there's I mean we've known McMarion's been the guy for the last 10 months now but if there's one person that's really jumped if you look at their whole collective 12 months on this whole team it's McMarion going from incoming transfer back up to the the the, the starting quarterback and by a large margin he had a bigger line than coach Tedford did at the team's fan appreciation day from what I I heard of fans trying to get his autograph and pictures and things and and that doesn't happen too often unless you maybe you're Derek Carr um and then the backup right now is Jorge Reyna which was not a surprise um he was right there in that quarterback competition last year too and kind of got lost in the shuffle with an injury a little bit but uh, I mean, he is. They've coaching staff loves Jorge. Uh, they don't maybe love his decision making 100 percent of the time because he's one of those aggressive gunslinging quarterbacks. But they feel pretty confident that he's got the talent. If he they need to put him in there, that they can do it. And um, got three guys in the fighting for the third team spot. And I think we probably won't see a whole lot of them unless perhaps the Bulldogs blow out Idaho. <laughs> yeah, and that and that's a you know a good possibility that that's going to happen. But you know, there's also the possibility that the, the dogs come out a little flat because it's been a while since they've gotten out there, and there's going to be a few players that are are still going to try to get into the game and kind of get used to the whole situation. Um, but that being said, we're going to move on into the next position, and let's 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 start off with the wide receiver. Those are the guys who are going to be catching from McMarion. So. 
this is a deep group. This is one we have talked about, we have touched upon, and really, um, how many receivers could we possibly see this upcoming mm-hmm. game? Yeah, and this is the group that makes me feel confident to kind of treat this one the way we've treated it so far with the season opener. Um, it's going to be tough for Idaho to defend the wealth of receivers Fresno State has, particularly the starting group. All three seniors that were what we kind of what we expected. We knew Keyshawn Johnson and Jameer Jordan coming back as the starters. That was uh, not much of a question. But Micaiah Quick joins that group, and there's a possibility he might be the best receiver out of that group, which you don't really get that kind of boost for most teams. But Micaiah was a four-star recruit, almost a five-star a local guy that went to Oklahoma. He's played corner, and he's played receiver in the Big 12. He's got kind of the the hands and receiver talent of Keyshawn Johnson, but with the athleticism of a Jameer Jordan. And I mean, that's an impressive group of three guys, and I I don't really see Idaho putting up a a great fight against them. And then you look even deeper. uh, The second team, Delvon Hardaway, who's back for his sixth year, uh, one we didn't expect to... I mean, we've heard some rumblings over the offseason that he might be back, but you weren't counting on it. I mean, he's just obviously a senior in his sixth year and uh, brings a lot to the table. Uh, Darion Grimm, who's a junior, used to be at Nebraska and went the junior college route after that. Showed some flashes last year, and they're ready to throw him out there some more. And you round that out with Justin Allen as well on the second team, who came in as a walk-on but has performed pretty well out of the slot. And uh, I think we only covered five of the eight seniors in this team and uh, several others that may see some playing time. Uh, <laughs> the receiving group has 18 players, and they're more than six deep. I'll just say that much. Yeah, the the wide receivers, I mean, chances of us seeing a redshirt freshman or, or, or you know, a, a lower classman getting some playing time are very slim at this moment unless the Bulldogs get out way ahead. Um, such as Edwards from Tulare Union. You know, what's the chances of getting some of those guys some playing time? I mean, for Edwards, he probably would have been on the field at some point had it not been for an injury. And it looks like he's going to be out. That was probably the biggest injury the offense took during this fall. Of course, Ronnie Rivers is still working his way back at running back. But uh, Edwards, uh, broken foot, I believe was the diagnosis. And I uh, might be able to make an appearance in uh, November or so and take advantage of that same rule. But otherwise, um, there's a chance for Ricardo Arias, who's the next guy in that group. Um, he's shown some really soft hands, a graduate out of Clovis West. And uh, again, it's just so deep, it's going to be hard for him to do much this year. But a guy you feel pretty confident about in the future, potentially as soon as next year. Uh, Chris Coleman, probably be my best bet out of all the underclassmen. He's a redshirt freshman who... Uh, probably would have been a contributor last year had he not had a, suffered an injury just before fall camp last year. Uh, so now he's going to have his chance to be fully healthy, and I think they'll find a way for him one way or another, if, even if it's a small role. Yeah, so that that wide receiver core is you know so it's pretty strong, and it's going to be one that's going to be tough to contend with for the opponents um, as long as you know things fall into place. Uh, another position that's going to help kind of get the pressure off of that is, gonna, of course, going to be the running back position. And again, another deep class. I don't think I've ever remembered seeing as deep of class at running back for Fresno State in quite some time. I mean, the, it, they are very deep right now. And what's your thoughts on that one, Jackson? Yeah, I mean, even with Ronnie Rivers out, they've got a lot of options. And 
it's just at a point where it's hard to deny any of those guys a chance. Um, <laughs> yeah. You have Jordan Mims, who's technically the starter right now, and then Josh Hokett is right behind him. And I think you know the two of them, they just kind of rode the hot hand when Ronnie Rivers was hurt, and I imagine they'll do that again to start the season. But DeJounte O'Neal has really stepped up this offseason. Uh, they were saying the coaching staff, Coach Christian, uh, the running backs coach, was telling me that DeJounte just wasn't quite 100% last fall. Uh, he was coming off of a pretty significant injury from the previous year, and now he's fully healthy. He's showing what he's really capable of, and they feel just as confident in DeJounte as they do in Mims or Hokett. So you've got three guys right there. I didn't even mention Romello Harris, who's now eligible from transferring from Washington State. Uh, he may be in that mix one way or another. And then once Rivers comes back, that's a whole other thing. And they may not – I mean, if he's not 100%, they may be able to hold him off and let him redshirt this year. Well, it's definitely going to be one of those uh, running back by committee until they get the hot hand going. Mm. <clears throat> and that could be anybody. Um, yeah, I mean, Rivers is, is recovering from an injury. Uh, but needless to say, who, you know, it could be anybody. I mean, it could be Hokit that gets the hot hand at that game. So it just depends on who is hot at the moment. Who is producing? That's probably going to be the running back that's going to kind of take the lead. Uh, and it doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be every game. It could be one game to the next. They have a different starting running back. So we'll keep an eye on that one as things develop. Next position we're going to go into, and that's another one that's deep that we've noticed, is also the tight end position. They've kind of gone on the offseason and picked up some other important pieces uh, to kind of help the tight end position. And, you know, this one... Uh, this one I'm kind of kind of up in the air as to oh, who's really going to be the starter there. I know Rice is going to be one, uh, but who's that? Who's got that second uh, position there locked up? Yeah, I was kind of surprised because uh, Jared Rice and Kyle Rittering are both kind of one and two. They bring a little something different, and they're kind of technically two different tight end positions, but they only put one on the depth chart, so it's usually one guy or the other. But uh, they've kind of taken a a step forward to say Jared Rice is the starter, Kyle Rittering's the second team guy, and it doesn't stop there. Uh, David Tongipa is going to have a bigger role this year, uh, who's also a senior, and uh, they brought in Cam Sutton, who's a big six foot six receiving tight end. So uh, I think the rotation is going to be between those four. Uh, I think they'll use them quite generously. Uh, you have to take one of those talented receivers or running backs off the field to get them in, which is probably going to be their only problem. Uh, but the the tight end usage went way up last season under Coach Tedford, and they've got all the pieces that uh, expanded even further this year. Now, I saw that stat that you kind of put out, and that, that stat was kind of staggering. It, it it was almost like by 50% mm-hmm. uh, when Tedford took over from from the, the DeRuiter era that the, the tight end was involved mainly 50% more than they were with DeRuiter. That's a big, staggering kind of a, a stat there. And it's one that I know the Bulldog faithful welcome because one of the staples at Fresno State has always been the involvement of the tight end. And so to hear that we've got a deep class again this upcoming season, that's music to my ears and probably music to a lot of ears here at uh, in the Fresno region. But, uh, you know, that does it for the offensive side of the ball. I mean, it seems like we're pretty solid. Well, actually, no, we got one more position. We got the offensive mm-hmm. line. Uh, I, how could I forget, forget the, the big hog mollies on the line there? <laughs> I mean, those guys, uh, you know, the offense doesn't do anything without the, a good offensive line. And this one, this one was kind of a question mark for us uh, because there was a lot of P- 
pieces they were still trying to figure out heading into this week. Have they figured that out, Jackson? It looks like they have, and it's kind of tentative. They might mix things up. They might do it situationally from week to week, which is kind of unusual. But uh, Coach Grubb, the offensive line coach, has really stressed versatility with his offensive line. Uh, the Bulldogs returned three starters there, but they're all at different positions right now. Um, you have Christian Kronk and um, Natane Muti, who have flipped positions. Muti is now at left tackle. Kronk's at left guard. They had the same kind of thing going on with center and right guard, where former right guard Micah St. Andrew is going to start the season off at center, and Marcus Boyer, who's a UCLA transfer, is going to take that right guard spot. And uh, really the only young player out of the group is Cyrus Tuitele. Uh, he was a He's a sophomore. They did not redshirt him last year, even though uh, he was not too involved on the O-line. He got a few times to play, and he was big on special teams. So that's the five they're going with. Um We'll see how it works out with the new positions. I know Muti just was a highlight reel machine last year at guard, so you, you so hope that he has the same impact at left tackle. Uh, obviously, there's a good reasoning behind that move, and they think Muti would probably take the best care of McMarcus, uh, Marcus McMarion. And then the second team is still kind of unknown at this point just as far as what they bring because – I uh, don't believe any of those guys on the second team have really played significant minutes for the Bulldogs. Um, but probably the one to watch out for is Nick Abs, who's a transfer from Fresno City College. Uh, it sounds like he's the next guy up if they need it, and he can play guard or tackle. Well, it sounds like they started to kind of figure that out. I mean, I mean, you got a, a big freshman that came in um, and that could possibly play center, but they chose to go ahead and go with uh, St. Andrews, right? Yeah, uh, Tyrone Sampson was a four-star recruit, and they thought that if you know, anyone thinks that when the Fresno State gets a four-star recruit, he might be able to contribute right away. <laughs> uh, that's what, doesn't, that's doesn't what our thoughts often. was. <laughs> uh, um, but uh, Marcus Boyer uh, was right behind Aaron Mitchell last season and came in once uh, a few times just when Mitchell needed a, a break or was coming up limp a little bit. Um, but it's an important position. They felt Micah St. Andrew was best for the job, and that Boyer was still valuable, but at guard. And then Tyrone Sampson it just uh, hasn't quite been his fall camp as far as breaking into the starting lineup. Uh, came in a little overweight, uh, went down with an injury about a week into practice, and that's a recipe for disaster if you're a freshman. Uh, so he's still working his way back. He's moving a little bit slow, but uh, right now walk-on Matt Smith is considered the second-team center. I think if anything happened to St. Andrew, you'd slide over. Boyer would be the the clear move to make there. So Smith is probably more of the third option, though. And then uh, Sampson is is quite a ways out at this point. But if he gets it together, the opportunities will be there as soon as next year. So this year, no freshmen are going to be breaking the, the, the starting lineup, sounds like it. So, you know, I know a lot of fans are always looking for the next freshman to break in and uh, you know, all of – like the a couple of years when Carr was here and uh, Adams was here, Adams I guess played as a freshman, uh, starting off. So, but that's rare. That doesn't happen very often here in Fresno. <laughs> well, Adams could have started as a freshman. <laughs> he had some clearinghouse issues that made him redshirt. But as soon as redshirt freshman year came around, yeah, he we, was the guy we all assumed he was going to be. <laughs> and uh, we'll get to talk about one freshman at least on defense. But ah. yeah, there's a. Uh, out of the hole, too deep. There's not a whole lot of openings for the true freshmen, and uh, it's not because there's no knock on this class either. Because you see a lot of them on the third team, and they look like they're, 
you know, more than capable of being at least second team guys. You know, it was just that uh, Tedford has done his homework and he's filled those positions mm-hmm. where the way they needed to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, Did it quick too. Yeah, <laughs> uh, unlike um, you know the name that will not be mentioned. Um, but moving on, uh, we're going to go to the defensive side of the ball, and uh, let's let's go ahead and start off with the the opposite side, and let's do the defensive line. Now, the defensive line was another year in and year out is always our biggest question mark. Uh, who's going to step up to fill those voids that were left by the seniors that departed. And this was probably the one position that we felt a lot of talent left, and we weren't sure what was going to be replaced with. Have they got that kind of figured out, and you know who's, who's going to kind of step in, and what are your thoughts on it? It looks like they have... Um most of it figured out. <laughs> <laughs> Most. Okay, that makes me feel comfortable. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so uh, it's going to be a work in progress, I think. But as far as what the what lineup they're going with, Kevin Atkins was the one guy at tackle that brought back starting experience and uh, was a no-brainer kind of that he would take the one of the spots again going into this season. But uh, some competition pretty much everywhere else. Uh, Jasad Haynes is going to get the nod next to Atkins at the other tackle spot. Uh, he has just totally boomed in the the weight room and the offseason work and is one of the strongest players on the team and is very fit. I believe he's only at 285 and uh, moves around physically, strength-wise, as a 300-pound kind of tackle. Um, and then the, they'll have KTI Copa, who was also involved last year, and uh, the Washington transfer, Ricky McCoy, who's a local player. Uh, he's a big 6'2", 300-pound guy. So actually, you know the the four guys that you have to work with there it feels kind of comfortable. You just hope that at least the big two step out and kind of <laughs> separate themselves as the starters and really make an impact uh, at defensive end. Um, you've got a pair of guys that were uh, they played over two hundred snaps last year, so they were certainly involved as the reserves, and that's Emeka Endo and Kwame Jones. Endo's going to take a first team spot and Jones is on the second team and he's on the second team because Michael Walker impressed so well to take the other defensive end spot uh, Walker is a transfer from Azusa Pacific which doesn't sound very impressive but you could tell the first time he practiced that he was a legitimate player and last year he was at linebacker so they were just kind of desperately finding a way to get this guy on the field and defensive end seems to be the spot where they had the opening and he showed the talent <laughs> and it didn't take long for him to move up the depth chart yeah, and, and that- r- right now uh alex cruz is backing up walker on the two deep but there's uh several other players at defensive end that could wind up taking that spot um fresno state is probably going to use somewhere between 10 to 12 defensive linemen per game at those four spots so they're going to be keeping the legs fresh <laughs> rotating part of that is because they, they maybe don't have an established starting group the other part is that they have a lot of guys that are good it's it's kind of like a lot of options but there's not a few guys that have separated themselves and and, and that's a good problem to yeah. have uh, for the first time in a very long time <laughs> they actually have depth at that position <laughs> and so why not get them some playing time and keep that defense fresh yeah one thing we've noticed over in the in the years past 
was that defensive line comes out strong and then gets worn down by the fourth quarter. Mm. Well, they're, they should have enough <laughs> pieces in place that that shouldn't happen uh, as long as they trust the, the guys that are second and third down the line. Um, whether or not they're going to allow them to can, to play, that's a different story. Mm-hmm. The depth, otherwise, they do have. And that's always a good thing to have, a good problem to have. But, you know, the guys right behind them are going to also be the big difference that are going to help out this defensive line. And those are going to be those linebackers. And this is one that is also pretty deep, I believe. There, there's quite a few bodies that can fill in just about anywhere on in, in that linebacking core. And so what do you got down as the starters and, and, and the, the succession of the depth chart on that one? Yeah, uh, linebackers uh, return all three starters, and they all kept their jobs this fall. Jeff Allison, James Bailey, and George Helmuth. Helmuth named a captain uh, for the defensive side, so uh, a lot of respect for the linebackers. And those three guys are as solid as you can get. Uh, the Bulldogs had four guys kind of competing for three spots in the spring. And uh, they only got two of the spots because freshman Sherwin King out of Sunnyside came in in August and took one of them. Uh, he had an excellent spring. Uh, I think he has a little bit of work to do, of course, as a true freshman should. But he's impressed so much that so they're ready to, to get him involved. And linebacker is one they're going to rotate quite a bit as well. Um, Justin Rice uh, and Kasomi Mafi. Mafi, who was supposed to be a big part of last year's defense, went out with a big-time injury just two weeks into the season. So uh, he'll get a shot to redeem himself this year. Justin Rice moving from first running back and then safety now to linebacker. Uh, he's a guy that can play many positions, and they just need to find a spot for him to get on the field because he can take care of business. Uh, otherwise, you have Trent Secting, who's a senior, and Richard Cage, who was a second-team guy last year. They're on the outside looking in right now, and those are two players that are capable of playing Mountain West football. So definitely a deep group and uh, a top-heavy group, too, which uh, you don't usually get those two things in one. <laughs> <laughs> no, definitely. No. <laughs> you don't usually get both of those. But, it's again, another good problem to have for Fresno State is that linebacking core is pretty solid. Uh, and it's usually one of the positions that Fresno State usually finds good players at is the, is the linebacker position. Uh, I mean, if you think think about it, heading back to all the way to uh, Ron Cox back in the day, uh, you know, in that midfield middle linebacker position, it was just unbelievable. But um, you know, the middle is looks like pretty solid. But what about the guys on the ends? You got the defensive backs, and you got the free safeties and the safety. What what can we say about that? That's another one that I believe the Bulldogs are deep at as well, right? Yeah, the Bulldogs returned four more starters there too at all four positions, and they're guys that this time last year we didn't really know <laughs> <laughs> how good are these guys, but now we do know they're they're pretty dang talented, especially at safety. Mike Bell and Juju Hughes really did a standout job last season. And Jaron Bryant, also at cornerback, really stepped out and, and established himself as the starter early and held on to it all last year. Um, and then Tank Kelly, who stepped in midway as a starter at cornerback for uh, Johnny Johnson, uh, held on to that the rest of the year, and he's ready to start as well. Uh, the second team is an exciting group, but one we haven't seen a whole lot of. Really, the only one that's played – Literally, the only one that's played is Aaron Mosby, and most of that's been on special teams, but he's really improving as a safety. 
Uh, Chris Gaston and Waylon Free. Uh, Free's got cornerback, and Gaston has been moved to safety. They're both redshirt freshmen that have really excited Coach J.D. Williams, and had it not been for established starters ahead of them, one of those guys could be playing a starting job or at least really competing for it, and you may see them find a way onto the field, but right now you hesitantly or it's cautious optimism that that's a solid second team group with those two guys you figure they'll have a little bit of growing pains when they finally get on the field but future wise they are two impressive prospects and then matt botang who was one of their junior college additions last year to plug some holes and ended up getting scrapped by uh, some clearinghouse issues uh, he's back with the team now and uh he's cleared to play and he's the other second team cornerback so um, I mean, pretty good group in the secondary for sure. Uh, an injury or two could shake things up, but all the talent's there for both now and the years forward. You only have one senior in that starting group. That bodes well for Fresno State. I mean, uh, to have only one senior in that group, I mean, wow. <laughs> that means next year they're going to still have a pretty solid group back there at the defensive back position. So and and you can only imagine they're only going to get better as time progresses. So that could be a really solid group by this time next year. Um moving on, I know it's the one position that probably is the the least talked about all the time and that's special teams. But this this is one that kind of it's not just the kicking position, but it's all the other positions. But have they have they figured out who the kicker is going to be, at least to start off? Let's start off there. Yeah, it looks like it. Uh, Asa Fuller got the starting job. He was announced Monday as the kicker. Uh, Shane Chuchi is the backup, and Mateo Thompson's the other option there. All three of the guys were uh, given a lot of credit for their competition in fall camp, and the way that it was described by the coaches was not you know, oh, shoot, we really need to find our guy. It was, we've got three options, and we need to figure out which one of them is the best. <laughs> so it was. Uh, it sounded like all three guys were, were doing decent. It was just a matter of finding the most consistent, the best leg, the one that they can rely on the most when the pressure's on. And right now that's going to be Fuller, and if it works out, great, because he's a redshirt freshman, so he'll have another three years to kick for the Bulldogs. Um, but there's also that possibility that, they can go to the second guy or situationally, if you've got a kicker that's good, accurate from within 40 or one that's more stronger from 50 or beyond, they're going to be able to flip some of those guys around too. So uh, we're still going to be wait and see, even though we've got a depth chart there at kicker. Now that's the one position yet that we have not done any player interviews because n- none of them have actually played in a game yet. Yeah. So you know we can't we can't even do an interview with any of them yet. Um, but you know after after tomorrow, well not after tomorrow, after this weekend, uh, we should be able to kind of uh, you know talk to them and and kind of pick their brain a little bit and see where their state of mind is uh, moving forward. So that's one that's going to be on our list for interviews later on will be whoever gets that starting nod and holds on to it. You know, <laughs> it all it all depends on how good the starting kicker does this upcoming game. Um, any other um, things that jump out on special teams? Maybe the returners and things like that. Yeah, um, last year you know wasn't too inspiring on special teams. Uh, they were pretty conservative with punt returning, and that may be the case again this year. Uh, just kind of the philosophy within the the team is. You don't want to risk things on punt returns. It's more about just getting the ball back to your offense and letting them take care of business, which 
You know, in the Pat Hill years, we saw some electrifying returners, and we may get that on kick returns uh, with Dejounte O'Neal's. Looks like he's got the nod to go back there, and Jameer Jordan too. Both of those guys can break things open, but. As far as punt returners go, I think uh, right now Keyshawn Johnson's the guy, and he's probably going to be more of a a uh, conservative returner back there. Yeah, and uh, and you, you want want you want someone that's just going to hold on to the ball on punt returns. <laughs> it cost them in the UNLV game last year, so they they know what can happen. Yeah, yeah, and that's something that they're going to have to kind of figure out. I mean, yeah, I miss those days of uh, of having someone back there that you knew every time he touched the ball, he had the potential to take it back every single time. Uh, Clifton Smith, that, oh, to yeah. name one. Uh, every time he touched that ball, the sense in the stadium was that he was going to break it all the way back. And most of the time, he did. <laughs> so, uh, you know, that's one that we're going to hopefully have someone in place that can kind of break things open for the dogs. And we'll have to kind of keep an eye out and see if somebody emerges as one of those star returners. But moving forward, Jackson, I think we're going to jump out of the two deep now. And really, let's just start talking about game week. I mean, we're we're heading into the first game of the season, much anticipated, although it is an Idaho team. I mean, what's the feel going into this week? Yeah, I mean, the players are excited. Like we were mentioning earlier, the the home field is something they're looking forward to. A lot of these guys, well, not all of them, but a good majority of them were guys that were around here in 2016, 2015, when the team was not winning and um, the f- and the fans weren't really showing up, which uh, I even talked to, <laughs> I think it was Delvon Hardaway today said, you can't really blame the fans if the winds are that low for for them not coming out but they feel like they've earned it back and they want to see it rocking and they all remember that Boise State game and they want to see it again on Saturday and they want to see it again all season and if they keep winning I think it'll happen um but they're all excited um they are a lot of them just want to hit someone else besides their teammates and (laughs) just go live and let it all loose um uh, I know the coaching staff is saying even keel uh, coach Tedford he's happy that it's at home too but uh, he's going to approach this game certainly just like any other and I don't think Idaho is actually too terrible of a team but I'm just I think Fresno State's just that much better yeah yeah and it, Idaho should be able to kind of put up a better fight than say Incarnate Word or or you know any of those other teams that you never heard of i mean at least this one we've heard of because they've been in our division uh (laughs) once or twice and uh you know didn't really fare very well against the bulldogs except for one season where they were kind of (laughs) close but that was very short-lived uh now the bulldogs are facing an idaho team that is basically i believe they're independent now right jackson They're, they're they're they don't belong to a certain conference anymore so Idaho and New Mexico State got the 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 raw deal out of the whole whack Mountain West thing. And uh, they tried the Sunbelt route for a couple of years and uh I think Sunbelt told them <laughs> you're just it's not a <laughs> thank, good fit. Thank you, know? you but no we're, thank you. We're way out here in the southeast and you're Idaho, <laughs> you're up there and you're New Mexico State, you're way out west. So uh, New Mexico State is going to run it independent, but Idaho has dropped to FCS, and I believe it's going to be the big sky where they're at this season. And um, you'd hope that, for their sake, their last few – well, the program has been in an FBS program for quite some time, so they should have an advantage, and that might give them a, a good starting point uh, in the FCS. 
Yeah, so it's gonna be it's gonna be an interesting matchup. It's gonna be at least a good one to start off with, just to see what the Bulldogs are made of. Um, you know, everybody's gonna speculate. If the dogs come out and do really well, then everybody's gonna be feeling very comfortable. If the dogs come out and struggle against an Idaho team, then there's gonna be a lot of nervous fans in the stands <laughs> uh, moving forward into the season. Um, but that's that's something we're gonna have to cross once we get there. But Jackson, what it, what most excites you moving into this week uh, against this Idaho matchup? I'm excited to see some of the players that we've known are supposed to be impact players for a good year, but couldn't play because of transfer rules, or some of them were just waiting their turn. And most specifically, Micaiah Quick, because I mean he was an elite recruit and he was an elite athlete and that didn't change he wasn't necessarily the go-to guy at Oklahoma but I mean he certainly belonged there and at Fresno State he'll be a starter he may be one of the key guys in this offense and against Idaho he should have some matchups where he can break one deep and that'll be exciting for me to see defensively too uh, Michael Walker who we mentioned I'm really excited to see what he can do live Um, I'm excited to see uh, this defensive line uh, to see what they're made out of and see some of those players get more reps. Um, and I'm just excited to see what this offense looks like in uh, game number one because last year things were a little reliant on the defense some games, and I think this offense has enough weapons that they can step on some throats if they really need to. Now, I'm, I'm kind of looking forward to seeing if uh, Romello, Hella, Romello Harris is going to make a difference in, at that running back position once he gets the chance to touch the ball. I mean, he was uh, it was a star uh, coming out of Tulare Union, heading out, uh, I believe, over to Washington um, and then making the transfer back to Fresno State. Um, you know, had to sit out last year. So he got to sit on the sidelines and kind of take it all in. It's not saying that he doesn't have the talent. It's just that there is so much talent at that position that we don't know who's going to have the hot hand at the time. And, uh, you know, Romello might get a chance. And uh, what he's going to do with it, I'm going to be kind of interesting to see what he's going to be able to do with that. Um, I don't know. Who are some of the other players that transferred in that could be a big difference maker uh, moving forward? I mean, other than Romello Harris and and Micaiah Quick, who else is there that transferred in? At Walker, who I mentioned, and then um, uh, Ricky McCoy is one who we didn't necessarily think was going to be a part of the team this <laughs> yeah. year because usually when you transfer, you've got to sit out, but he's got some certain circumstances that's going to let him play this year. Coming from He's coming from Washington, Harris from Washington State, so it'll be exciting to see both of them, and McCoy could really – plug a, a big hole at defensive tackle where there's a lot of question marks for the Bulldogs going into the season and um, there's one other one I'm missing but uh, yeah there's several uh, of those transfers that have come in and uh, especially this game that Fresno State will be playing against Idaho we may see some of the other newcomers yeah so it, there's there's going to be some some key matchups that uh, we're all going to be looking forward to kind of seeing um, but the, with that being said, what should we be watching for uh, when the Bulldogs take on Idaho? Yeah, my two biggest question marks are just the defense as a whole, um, more specifically the D-line, but not personnel-wise with the the, the seven or eight returning starters. <laughs> but uh, Orlando Steinauer, the defensive coordinator, is not around anymore. And they've really hyped it down that 
It's the same scheme. They were doing all the same things they did last year. Coach Watts was a seamless transition, and he's doing all the same things. But you don't quite know until it's game day. And last year's defense was uh, an unusually great Fresno State defense. The Bulldogs are traditionally an offensive-heavy team. Uh, just that's the way it's been for many years. And uh, last year was something different. That defense was top-notch. And if they can resemble just – most of what they did last year then uh, the Bulldogs could be in for a good year and then uh, of course the D-line that's the personnel who steps out and, and impresses and really cements themselves going into Minnesota as the guys and then on offense offensive line is just really the only question mark and it's not one you necessarily have to worry about but it's kind of the only <laughs> worry to have on offense because every other position is full of returning starters and, and proven guys and the O-line is plugging a few holes so, and moving around a little bit. So I'm curious to see what their chemistry looks like and just to make sure they can keep Marcus upright and keep the running game moving. And uh, if they, they come out of that game proving those factors, uh, I feel pretty good going into Minnesota. Uh, now that's going to be that's going to be a big key there is to, to see if, if the blogs are able to kind of put a lot of those questions to bed before heading into Minnesota. If they can, if they can run on all cylinders, then there's going to be a lot of optimism that this could be a great season for the Bulldogs, especially heading, you know, to Los Angeles to go uh, take on UCLA. That's going to be another key matchup. Um, I'm more concerned about Boise, though. That you know, you're going to the blue turf, to the Smurf turf, as they like to call it. Uh, what can the dogs do if they can, like, somehow? break that blue turf mystique that has been there for so many years um i can't remember have the bulldogs ever beat boise on the blue turf they've won on the blue turf but not against boise there you go (laughs) that you just answered my question so can they finally break that stigma of not being able to beat the the broncos on their own home turf that's going to be a that's going to be a big question mark they almost did it last year and in the championship game and had it not been for a couple of calls to go the wrong way, they might have just did that one. <laughs> but uh, it's something that you know a lot of fans are, are happy to see or are anxious to kind of see is what do the Bulldogs have? A lot of starting positions are returning this season. Offensive line, biggest question mark so far. Uh, but if they're able to kind of figure that out and keep Marcus McMarion standing upright, <laughs> Bulldogs are going to have a great season. So... Hopefully, let's see what happens there. Um, but, you know, we, we talked about the Bulldogs. What do you know about this Idaho team um, moving into this game? I mean, I, there's probably not much we – I know there's not much I know. So if there's anything <laughs> you know, what, what do you know about them? Yeah, there's a few items uh, just from kind of trying to keep tra- tabs of their fall camp. It sounds like there's been uh, some movement in their defensive backed up chart, which – would signal to me that Fresno State's wealth of senior talented receivers could have themselves a big day. Uh, like <laughs> I mentioned, Micaiah Quick. Uh, this is an offense that likes to, not as much as what Dave Schramm ran with Coach Druder, but it is an offense that can take advantage of mismatches. And the receivers, I think, at all three positions could really have mismatches. And you figure it's just a matter of time before McMarion gets one of those to go the <laughs> right way. Um, I know at quarterback, uh, it sounds like they're undecided. We may see two different quarterbacks, and that's not usually a good recipe for an upset if you don't know who your quarterback is. 
Um, they're down to Mason Petrino, who's the coach's son, and Colton Richardson. Uh, they're listed as or on their starting depth chart, so we'll see which one of those guys starts and if they keep going back and forth or whatnot. Um, and then at running back, there's going to be a familiar face somewhat. Uh, the starting running back, Isaiah Saunders, is the brother of former Bulldog Jalen Saunders, who went off to Oklahoma and is now in the CFL. Um, so maybe Jalen will make it into the stadium. Uh, I don't know. Um, but there'll be a familiar face. Isaiah's a much different guy. He's 230 pounds, which might have been... 74 pounds and Jalen Wade coming in. <laughs> Jalen was, you was feared for that guy when he was running back kicks because he was so much smaller than uh, some of those big old special teams guys. But um, yeah, that's about as far as my Idaho knowledge goes. Um, <laughs> we'll know a lot more about Minnesota and uh, UCLA and so on. Well, um, I, yeah, my knowledge of Idaho is very limited. Uh, a lot limited than yours all i know is they have a great potato that's about it <laughs> i mean uh, what kind of football team they have i have no idea uh but it's always uh it always makes you nervous when you don't know something about that team so uh, i don't know maybe hopefully the bulldogs have done their homework which i'm pretty sure they have and we'll uh we'll have a great game heading into the season now you know that that pretty much covers everything that we've t- wanted to talk cover today on our podcast. But Jackson, are we having a tailgate again this year? Uh, we will be. I just got a message from our good friend Steve, <laughs> Steve and Jill. They put on our tailgate uh, each week. Uh, they're not going to be doing it this first week because uh, Barkboard has invited has been invited to the Klaus and Honda Fresno tailgate. Um, our good friend uh, five, uh, five Honda has sent that invite out on the bark board. And oh, awesome. We'll see uh, who wants to take advantage of that. But Steve and Jill will be out there in the purple lot all season long after that for the remaining five games. And we're excited that we have five more Saturdays to, to do those on. And um, see, hopefully see a lot of you out there. Yeah, and, and for those of you who don't know, I mean, Jackson and I, anybody from the Barkboard staff that can make it out there, we usually get out to those uh, tailgates, and we like to meet and greet as many po- people as possible that uh, that are fans of the website, that are fans of the show. Uh, you know, if, if you have time to stop by and say hello, stop by. I mean, we're more than happy to, to meet and greet everyone, and we like to put faces to the names that we see on our boards. Uh, so that we can kind of, you know, know who we're talking to. Uh, we've met a couple of people before. Uh, I mean, we've met Nut Dog before. Uh, see, who else have we met before uh, from our boards? Uh, there's quite a few names. I just I forget them all. <laughs> I, it, it, it's hard to kind of get all those uh, different screen names, <clears throat> but I do remember their faces when uh, when I when I do see them. But. Um, that being said, Jackson, what are some of the things that uh, you know fans can kind of look forward to moving on during the in the next week or or here coming through the pipeline soon? Yeah, uh, we've got some things posted on the premium board, uh, which is available to our uh, subscribers. Um, one of the players we mentioned on the two deep is not going to be playing on Saturday, and right now that's an insider only nugget, <laughs> and uh, it, I imagine it'll be revealed before game day, but. If you're a Barkboard subscriber, you heard it there first. And I may not know a whole lot about Idaho, but uh, I'm talking to the players and the coaches who do. And those uh, stories and interviews will be posted on the premium board, so we'll get a much better idea 
um, of what the Bulldogs are facing and what this matchup looks like throughout the week. Um, also have all of our fall camp content, which is certainly good through uh, the season opener. Um, lots of in-depth reports on uh, each of the positions, uh, most of them at least, especially the, the question marks, the O-line, the D-line. Uh, if you check out those, there's several video interviews with just about every player that we're allowed to interview and uh, a big in-depth look at uh, those positions and what each of those individuals has either gone through or brings to the table this season. So I mean, you can get covered on just about every Bulldog there and, of course, recruiting coverage out there across the valley. And uh, we'll be hitting game week with our game previews, which will be a free feature. Um, we'll have a recruiting breakdown on the insiders portion, which really shows the kind of the talent difference where the Bulldogs will have with their opponent each week. And um, yeah, I mean, we'll have it coming every day. That's for sure. Yeah, we've got definitely, we've got a lot of things in the works, uh, whether or not we're going to have time for it all. That's a different story, <laughs> but we try to keep pumping out as much as we can. Um, you know, every week we head to high school games whenever we get a chance to, to kind of keep track of uh, all the latest recruits that Fresno State is either interested in or have uh, made offers to or have committed to Fresno State. And so we, we do our best to try and track all those players down and, and seeing what we can do with the local talent. Um, but, uh, you know, that being said, I think we're going to go ahead and wrap it up. Um, if you guys would like to get a hold of us, you can uh, reach us at uh, on the boards over at thebarkboard.com. Um, you just look for Jackson Moore or Lucio Rick. You can find us out there on our boards. Uh, you can send us a private message if you can find us on there. Or you can uh, reach us at Twitter. And uh, Jackson, I know you've changed your Twitter account. <laughs> and so I'm going to have to have you do this one because I always forget your new Twitter account. Yes, it's at Jackson Moore 247 which is our site 24-7. But just to make it easier to hear, I guess it's called <laughs> 247. Um, and then, of course, the Barkboard Twitter is just at Barkboard. So that's an easy one. Yeah. And so... Uh, that also, you know, if you want to and you have a chance, head over to uh, Facebook. Look for the Barkboard uh, Facebook page. Uh, we're trying so hard to get over 4,000 likes. Uh, right now we're sitting at probably, I think, around 3,700 last time I checked. Uh, so, um, you know, head over there, like our page. There you will get first-hand knowledge of when something new gets posted because we usually put the link into our Facebook page uh, so you can go over and check things out right away. Um, that being said, I want to thank everyone for tuning in as we continue our ongoing coverage of Fresno State Athletics. And everyone, have a great time. We'll see you at uh, the Idaho um, home game. And uh, be safe out there and enjoy the day. Mm-hmm.